And good morning again, everyone. Alrighty. Kevin tells me we have 44 here this morning, so we're running about the same as we did. So certainly good to have every one of you here with us. If you're logging into Facebook, we're going to be viewing on YouTube later. We want to welcome you as well. Glad to have you here and, and consider you part of a church family just the same. So certainly uh, uh, glad to be here with you this morning. Let's see, our hymn of invitation this morning will be 358, where he leads me. If you want to turn in your, your Bibles there to, uh, or Bibles, in your songbooks, uh, to mark that, certainly. Uh, certainly good to be here. Another beautiful day. Looks like we're going to have a nice stretch of weather as long as the, the weather folks are accurate in what they've uh, uh, predicted. So uh, certainly uh, look forward to that. Oh, we find ourselves in turmoil again as a nation, don't we? Seems like we just go from one to the next. Uh, many major cities, if you've kept up with it at all, uh, are rioting. Uh, seen in Jacksonville, there was riots. Police car was damaged there. Uh, Calif uh, Los Angeles, uh, not sure how bad it was in New York. And certainly, uh, things are uh, are difficult right now in the bigger cities. Fortunately for us in the smaller towns, we're, right now we're not so much affected. It, uh, protesters even were so bold, as I understand from the news story I read, that they knocked a security fence down at the White House. So uh, they're pretty emboldened. The president, as the article I read last night, even floated the idea of, of uh, the military coming in. And that's just, basically that's martial law whenever the military comes in to regain or restore peace. Think about this. We've been locked up in our homes for two and a half months and everybody's really tense about everything that's been going on with this COVID-19. And, and I'm not justifying anything that happened as far as uh, the gentleman in Minneapolis, but that's all it took was a little spark for like that to happen, which is all it normally takes is a little spark for it to happen. So it's no wonder people are acting uh, the way that they're acting. And, and it's hard to see any good that's going to come out of this. But And that's what I talked about, wanted to mention this morning. The title of this sermon is Good Can Come From This. And uh, I'm just afraid it's going to be a long summer for us with, with the COVID still. Of course, it's, uh, it has been a little refreshing, not that I enjoy seeing the news of the riots, but uh, that's taken the media's focus off of the COVID stuff, and now they're on it, so we do get a little break uh, from that. But let's be in prayer. Uh, I want to encourage everyone here this morning, everyone that watches or listens, to add, if you're, if you're not praying for our country every day, you should be should be praying for our leaders. You should be praying for our men and women of the, uh, any first responders, the police, uh, ambulance, uh, healthcare workers, rescue squad, firefighters, all of those folks that, that, that put themselves in harm's way to protect or save us. And, and just like with any group, 
a bad decision by 1% can cast a light, a bad light on, on the rest. But that doesn't mean that the rest are bad folks or that they've made bad decisions. But certainly, let's keep all of our country in our prayer. And let's, be uh, let's not be surprised when something good comes from all of this that we see. Because we know that sometimes God's ways seems to confuse us. It's, a, it's different because his ways are not our ways. There's times that we have to go through pain. We may not think that what he's doing at the time is what's the best thing for us. But deep down inside, we should all as Christians know that he has good plan for our lives. Uh, and he wants the best for his kids. Just like we want the best for our children, as children of God, he wants the best for us as well. And sometimes God uses bad events, bad circumstances to accomplish a good purpose or his purpose not only in the lives of individuals but also in the in the, the lives of a country as a whole and I want to kind of look over some of these things and and some I've got some really interesting statistics that I want to share with you at the end of the uh, toward the end of this sermon and uh, maybe we can leave here today uh, with hope and also things to think about that we can do to, to move forward, even in the midst of pandemics, even in the midst of riots and things that are going on at this time in our country. Uh, and just remember that God is still in control. Genesis chapter 37, I think I've got 36 on the, uh, well, that doesn't show up too good. That's not a good color. Genesis chapter 36 through 50, and I'm not going to read that today, uh, several chapters, and we would be here all evening. But Joseph, that's, if you pick up in verse 30, chapter 37 and look through uh, 37 through 50, you'll find the, the saga of Joseph, how he was born into a family of jealous brothers and because he was chosen by his father as one of his favorites that jealousy bled over and and eventually led to his as we know his brothers sold him into captivity after they threw him down in a well and then from there he ended up in Egypt as a slave and because of Potiphar's wife his his master, we know that he ended up in, in prison uh, for false accusations because he, uh, she said that he had basically raped her, I guess, and, and he ended up in prison for that. And that ended up working out good for him, too, because the, the Pharaoh's baker and, and uh, wine tester, I guess you should say, he's his cupbearer, uh, ends up in jail there with him, and he ends up in the court of Pharaoh. And we know the story. We know how that he comes out and, and works uh, directly for Pharaoh and ends up becoming the number two man in all of Egypt and eventually saves all of the children of Israel. Now, that's a really good story. If, if, if you've never read it, I encourage you to sit down and read it and see about the ups and downs. And you think you've got family problems, uh, just look at Joseph and see what his brother's is like. Uh, make, make your... Make, might make your brothers and sisters look a lot better to you. But certainly we see here with this example that 
Sometimes we can see God act, but we miss his purpose. Why would God allow such things that happens? Of course, for this, he was preparing a nation, his chosen people. We know that Jesus, the Messiah, would come from this nation. And they would settle there, but, and they became slaves, if we recall, of the Egyptians. And that's where Moses comes in. You see, all that set into play, set up for Moses to come and to be called out and to, to be given them the Ten Commandments and his nation established. But Joseph, that was the furthest thing from Joseph's mind, wasn't it? He wasn't thinking nothing about afar off that Moses, Ten Commandments, a nation of Israel would be established from the day that his brothers threw him down the well waiting to sell him off into slavery. And we ourselves, maybe sometimes we find ourselves in situations like that where it's difficult to understand what we're going through right at this particular time, but there is a greater purpose in God's plan for those that believe and follow in him in the future. And that's even in the midst of trouble like we see ourselves today. And there's a danger if we forget that God does have a purpose we fall into disobedience. Turn over to your right just a little bit to Judges chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. Judges chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. I'm going to read this and I want you to listen. It's, it's easy to just read through it and not think about it. But it, And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timath Heres, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Do you understand what that was saying? Joshua died and all of that generation died and the following generation to come up did not know God. They didn't know nothing about the parting of the Red Sea and the manna and being led by the pillar uh, of fire at night and smoke during the day and all of the miracles in the, in the wilderness and the children wandering because of disobedience and Moses striking the rock and water coming forth. They didn't know that stuff because it wasn't taught. It wasn't carried on. So when we forget that God has a purpose for us, just like Israel forgot that God had a purpose for them, what happens? We'll look at, and I don't have a slide on this, verses 11 through 13, and I'll read this right quick for you or follow along your Bible. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods and the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. We're talking about one generation removed. And they turned back to pagan gods. They turned back... Uh, to worshiping false idols. And where I want to I say this because it's important for us to know and realize that though 
it's not that bad in our country right now. It's getting that bad as far as generations not knowing who God is. Having no idea who Jesus Christ is. Having no idea what he did, what the work of the cross was. They don't know the facts about Christmas and Easter and the significance that they hold. They're a holiday when you buy gifts or hunt Easter eggs or have a new, uh, a new dress or have parties. And that's a sad testament when we have an example right here in the Old Testament of what happens when you forget. And if you look on down just a little bit further in verse 14, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. That's not a good place to be. So when we forget that God has a purpose, when God has a purpose for our lives, you fall into disobedience because you're following your own plan and not God's plan. And it's important for us to remember that. It's important that we look back at history so that we don't repeat it. The death of a great leader falling away disobedience and that brings about God's judgment you see that all throughout the Old Testament you see that with with Israel and that's given I think as an example for us so that we don't follow it but something else I want us to understand God uses bad people to bring about righteousness and I know that sounds opposite but I, just think about the Herods King Herod and Herod Antipas and the Romans how that they fulfilled various prophecies to bring Jesus Christ to Calvary and the cross ultimately that in the end meant our salvation. Those, none of their motives were to serve God. Herod, when Jesus was born, if we recall what happened, he was so jealous he didn't want any new king being born so he said any male child being two years and under uh, should be killed. And the Lord, we recall, warned Joseph by in a dream, and he took him away to Egypt. Well, what about the, the trial throughout Jesus' uh, mock trial, his arrest at Easter? You know, even the Romans, even Pilate's wife objected to the crucifixion of Jesus. So we see that bad people can be used to bring about God's plan. And God uses poor leaders as well to inspire believers. I want you to turn now, we're going over to the New Testament, Acts chapter 4, verse 20. Acts chapter 4, verse 20. And that's one thing that I did find it a little curious And I don't say, say this with any kind of disrespect when I say it. I want to read first. Acts 4.20 For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's coming from Peter and John. And you know why they said that? Because the poor leaders, okay? The poor leaders had inspired them with this verse 18. Look up just a couple of verses. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Not to speak or teach the name of Jesus. 
And they said, "Well, you know, we can't, we can't not do that." We've seen something a little similar with this being told that we couldn't assemble. We could not assemble because of the danger that was posed to us. Where was all those people, and again, I don't mean this in any disrespect, all the people that were up in arms complaining about not being able to come to church, where were they two weekends before they made that proclamation? If you were in church, wonderful. If you were someplace else other than church, I have to ask you, why were you not in church? If it meant so much to you that you were enraged by the fact that they said we could not assemble together, why were you not here? And that's one thing that I hope that we can find some good out of this. This was as close to having our freedom of religion infringed upon as I can ever recall in this country. They didn't never tell us that we couldn't worship God. They just said we don't want you to meet together because of the safety of the people doing that. Now listen, I didn't enjoy not being here without, with you, without you folks being here not one minute, okay? Not one minute of that did I enjoy. But maybe you're not aware of this. Maybe you are. I got on, Carolyn told me about this yesterday, and I got on just to make sure that I had it right in my mind. As of right now, do we realize Laurel County has zero active cases of COVID-19? Zero active cases. We had 21, two folks passed away, 19 have recovered. And maybe those efforts is what's kept our numbers low. Because certainly when you look at what we have here in this county, we got a, the major highway, north-south, I-75, a lot of people coming through you actually got three shots at Laurel County, uh, the two exits up in London and exit uh, 29. And we only had 22 cases and none of those are active now. I hope we never are restricted on being able to assemble together again. But just like we see here with Peter and John, whenever they said, you're not to speak the name of Jesus Christ, you're not to even teach or do anything about Jesus, and they said, well, we can't do anything but tell what we've seen and what we've heard. Whenever we are told that we should not do something, we should judge it by God's law. By God's law. Okay? By God's word. What does it say in the Bible? Maybe we should think about this. Maybe though, I don't know anyone that enjoyed the quarantine period that we just came out of, but maybe it should make church attendance mean more to us because we weren't allowed to come for a certain time. It's old saying, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Well, it was gone for us for a while. Not worship, because through technology we were able to still worship, but assembly. And think about it. Think, ask yourself the question. Did assembling together mean that much to me prior to COVID-19, and does it mean more now? How does this look? shape the way that you look at assembling together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves, it says.
And some of us have forsook it long before COVID-19 ever, ever come around. So poor leadership, poor situations inspires believers. We see this here. The church grew. Many Christians were killed by angry religious leaders. The church grew. Read the book of Acts. The more the wicked attacked the church, the faster it grew, the stronger it became. And that's a fact throughout history, not just at the beginning of the early church. A persecuted church is a strong and growing church. And that's where I stopped and started looking for statistics. Because I wanted to see what effect COVID-19 had had on churches and on uh, religion. Well, it's so fresh and so new, there's no data gathered yet. But when I did that, I found a bunch of data that made me go, hmm. And that's why I collected that so I could share it with you. At the end of this, God uses awful events for his future plans. Acts chapter 7, verses 54 through 60. I am going to read this. It sounds like a lot, but it's not a whole lot. Acts chapter 7, 54 through 60. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Guess who that is, by the way? That's religious leaders. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now guess who that was? That's Stephen. Okay. And said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon the, on God saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Here we see the results of the, when the world tries to attack and intimidates God's church. Stephen, an early leader, early preacher, preached a sermon, infuriated the religious leaders at that time to the point that they drug him out of the city to stone him. And that's what we see here. That's what we just read about that. Who would have expected that one of those young attackers would be the greatest evangelist known in the New Testament? Who did they lay the, their clothes? Here, watch these kids. While, watch, watch my coat, kid, while I go stone this guy. That's what it was. They said, Saul, you're going to, apparently he was too young to partake. But Saul, who would later become Paul, was there when Stephen was stoned, a witness to that, and Stephen standing up for his faith, showing his faith in God, even asking just like Christ did, what did he do? He asked God not to, uh, to hold him responsible, not to lay that sin. So 
God uses terrible situations sometimes to bring about a greater good. And that's what we see here with Stephen. And, we see, and we've seen that throughout the past few years when there were some awful situations happen and someone stood up in faith and it helped the situation. So there is hope for us in that. Even as evil as these religious leaders were, they were still used to nurture and help the growth of a new church, a young church, the first century testament, New Testament church. So the God's ways are perfect. And we can't possibly understand everything that he has planned for us. But we can remember this. Uh, he loves us. He loves us and he has a plan for us. And he loves us so much, he'll use all things. It doesn't matter whether uh, we, they're a good situation or a bad situation. They can be used to fulfill his purpose. Now, let me go over these statistics with you. Fourteen of them. I just title, I give it a real snazzy title. You ready for this? Fourteen church statistics that will make you think. Okay, I worked real long on that title, by the way. And all of these stats come from a Gallup poll or Barta group poll. Very reputable, both of those. And I've quoted them before. And this is based off of, uh, this is the 2020 surveys based off of uh, the last part of 19, or 2019. According to a Gallup poll study, 50% of Americans belong to a church. That's what we report, that we belong to a church. So half of Americans, you know, have, that's down 20% since 1999. A drop in church membership. Currently, 19% of Americans, that same 20% that we're seeing here, even dropping on off, don't have a religious preference. And that's up 8% from 2000. 42% of millennials attend church. 42% of millennials attend church. That's the lowest generational percentage of any of the generations. Now, if you're like me, I was thinking, well, just exactly who are the millennials? And who's the ones after the millennials? And who's the ones before the millennials? So guess what I did? I looked all that up for you. Okay. Generation X, if you were born between 1965 and 1980, in other words, I'm my age group on down, 55 through 38, you're a Generation Xer. Millennials are 1981 to 1996. There are 39 to 24-year-olds. Okay, that's that group that only 42% uh, attend church. So less than half of those, that generation, attend church today. Generation Z, 1997 through 2012, that's our 23 to 8-year-olds. And then this newest generation, I didn't even know they had named them yet, but they're called Generation Alpha. And that's seven years old and younger. So now you, now you can at least go home knowing that you've learned something today. Uh, Gen X, Millennials, Gen Z, Gen Alpha. So that group 
that 39 to 24 year old group, just remember that's the last statistic, how many people uh, are members of church today in America? 50%. The next generation coming up, that 39 to 24 year olds, only 42% of them are going to church today. So we're trending for a drop in church attendance. And that stands to reason with this next fact. 84% of churches are either plateaued or declining. That 16% are growing, if you want me to spin it to the, to the positive. But 84% are either flat or declining. 80% of those who give have zero credit card debt. I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. 80% of people who give to church have zero credit card debt. 60% of the people prefer to give digitally or online. That was very interesting to me. And here's something else that I found very interesting. Churches can increase their tithes by 32% by offering an online option. Now we think about that as older people. I'll never let them just automatically withdraw it out. I'm that way. I don't like to have nothing automatically drawn out of my account. But you take the generation uh, millennials on down, everything they do is on that telephone. Everything they do is on that telephone. So if I'm not even sure that I know a kid <laughs> under 30 years old that has a checkbook okay matter of fact it's not correct me if i'm wrong lisa don't you have to request checks now you can have a checking account but you have to request a check otherwise they're going to give you a debit card that's checks are going the way of the dodo bird i guess they're eventually not going to not going to be happening so i can see now why that there are an, can be an increase in time because you've got a whole generation that if you're not offering an online service to them, you're missing out. You getting it? Okay. Here's one. Thirty-seven percent of members who attend church regularly don't tithe. Seventy-seven percent of people who do tithe give over ten percent of their income, and some as much as twenty. And only 1% of members who earn over $75,000 a year give at least 10% of the income. Donations to churches and other types of religious organizations rose by 3.3% in 2019 to $131.5 billion. That's normally just a 1% growth, but it's tripled last year. Now here's some more things I want us to think about. And it really comes into focus now, and I think that we can all get a better understanding of this in light of this COVID-19, okay? Currently, 57% of the world uses internet, and 45% of the population uses social media, okay? If you use social media, you spend 50% of your time online, either using social media or streaming video. So 45% of the world, so basically 25% of the people 
in the world are online half of their life either on social media or streaming video. That's a lot of people. I didn't really understand that until we were forced to start doing things more digitally with this COVID-19. Do you know we've had the best church attendance since I've been here? Coming to church here, okay? Not just preaching. Coming to church here, we've had the best church attendance when you add social media views into the overall count. I've not added them up, but we certainly have, it's not uncommon to see 80, 90, 100 views of a church service every Sunday. Those are kind of numbers that we've only had here recently at Mother's Day and Christmas and Easter. And that's not saying that the, uh, the other people that don't, that sign in that you have no way of knowing, like YouTube, which we, we do keep account on those views, but also our MP3 broadcast as well. And now our radio. So the technology is the way that you reach the millennials on down, the younger generations, because that's what their generation does. And it's just as foreign to them, here's the thing about it, it's just as foreign to a millennial on down to write a check as it is for us to have a, something, a bill automatically paid out of our checking account. Better than half the churches surveyed during the COVID-19 crisis reported higher attendance online than on a normal Sunday. So what does that tell us? God can use terrible events. The shutdown, the lockdown, the, the quarantine that we went through <clears throat> was terrible. No two ways about it. The churches are reporting higher attendance online now because we're putting more online for people to watch and attend. So God can use these, all these terrible situations to further his purpose. And those facts that we, we can have a part of that. I'm not saying we'll take over the, the world on the social media thing. We've already had part of that because we have increased uh, attendance, increased people viewing. We've got people in Michigan. We've got people in Florida. We have people in California that are online with us every Sunday. They can't be here every Sunday, but they are with us every Sunday. So let us begin to kind of shift how we, we present the gospel to people or we're going to end up with a generation like after Joshua died, what happened? Do we recall? A generation later, they had reverted back to what they had in Egypt and they didn't even know about it. They didn't know who God was. So we can take the opportunity to be part of God's plan to take something bad and move forward and something good come out of it. And that's really the story of all of our lives, isn't it? That we give things up <laughs> and then we let God take over and once he takes over, things get straightened up. And that's why Jesus came. He came so that we might have a hope of salvation. And today, even in our message today, if you've heard and believed the gospel 
and you're willing to repent and confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and be buried with Him in baptism and raise that new creation serving faithfully until either Christ returns or work all the way in death, that's what He came for. That's why Herod and, and Pilate, all of, all of that plan come together and ultimately everything back before that as well. So that we would have the opportunity at salvation and we're offered that on free will anytime that we're willing to accept Christ. Now maybe, maybe we're, you're Christian and you've made that decision, but you realize, you know what? Those numbers made sense to me. And even in the little old church in Keeby, Kentucky, is able to reach out across all of America through social media, maybe there is someone that can hear the gospel that would have never heard the gospel before. And maybe we need to look at how we present the gospel because what was it that Peter and John said? We have to, we have to tell it. We, we, we can't do anything but tell it. And traditionally, we look at it just like we've done this morning. A preacher standing in a pulpit with a Bible open and looking out at, at congregants. But our technology has shifted such today that you can still have the preacher and the Bible and the congregants, but you have a whole different congregation right there that are, for whatever reason, not able to come into the building. And remember, the church is in decline, okay? It's dropped. We're only at 50% now. The millennials are at 42% attendance today. And what does that mean for the future? So there's a lot of things to think about in what we've looked at this morning. A lot of things to pray about in what we've looked at this morning. So we're going to sing a hymn of invitation, Where He Leads Me. And that's exactly the point. Where God leads us, we have to follow. Where God leads us, we have to go and we have to serve. Even though it may not look like it used to look, it's going to look like that in the future, with or without us. Because God's people, God will have people hear His Word. If you have a decision to make, we're going to sing uh, 358, Where He Leads Me. Uh, I encourage you to come as we stand and we sing the first and the third verse of this hymn.
I'm not sure, Austin, could you back that PowerPoint up to the, uh, the last slide that has the American flag on it? Found this, I'm not sure if you ever remember Ronald Reagan saying this, but this is, I believe, we're back at this point in our, the time has come to turn back to God and reassert our trust in Him for the healing of America. And uh, that should be something that we should all strive to do. Uh, great quote by a great president. All right, do we have any new prayer requests or any prayer requests, any announcements that needs to be mentioned before we're dismissed? Been awful good to have two Sundays in a row, folks. We've had that. So good to have you here. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, 6.30, encourage you to come out. And uh, all goes well. Brother Randy is going to take off and give me a little break on Wednesday night uh, for uh teaching that lesson, so I encourage you to come out. You don't have to listen to Rob that way, you see. Uh, we will still be on Facebook, so I uh, encourage you. And it's, we typically sign on about 7 o'clock after we get through the, the prayer request and the prayer time. So uh, you can look at that for then, 7 o'clock. Uh, all right, if we don't have anything else, hope you have a great day. Uh, great uh, first part of the week. Come out Wednesday night if you're able. Uh, remember, you can still send in those uh, prayer request to me through the telephone through my uh, you can text it to me or you can email it as well and uh, certainly I hope you have uh, a good week Lord keep you safe till we're able to meet back together again we'll sing the chorus of awesome God through twice and then brother Harold Bales will dismiss us with a word of prayer